get started here. We, uh, uh, we have an outline out there uh, that you guys have, and this series is called Communion with the Triune God. God is Trinity, and we commune with Him. We, um, we talk with Him. We relate with Him. And what we're into tonight is the communion with Christ in His life. You know, He lived, He still lives today, doesn't He? But, you know, He, he uh, lived uh, a life here on earth as, as a human, and we'll be, we, we'll be talking about how we relate to that life. And this is dealing with the obedience of Christ's life. So, you know, a, a three-part title, I guess you could say. But it, it's really, uh, there, is, there are two things, as you talk about Christ and His work, two things. It's called um, active obedience, which is what he did in his life, all the works, his ministry. And what's the other one? Passive obedience, which is his death. And of course, that's still active, and you know his will is done in that. But yet, it's passive in that, you know, uh, what is accomplished is God's purpose of Christ being on the cross. But He lets it happen. And uh, so, and and that was obedience too. So there was the act of obedience of what he did, and all of his works, and then his passive obedience. What what we deal with tonight is we're just going to take the first part, and it's his active obedience. This is the obedience of Christ's life. And since we're talking about communion with God, we have communion with Christ, don't we? Um, we relate to Christ, and in in so many different ways. And so in this one, how do we relate to Him in His life? You know, the life that he lived. And that's that's what we're going to be dealing with. Uh, he, he has a purchased grace. He purchased grace for us. Matter of fact, there's almost nothing that Christ has done which is a which is you know his grace, but that we're said to do it with him. That means almost everything that he's done, we do it with him, yet we were not here. And that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Matter of fact, usually you hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, so He died. And don't get me wrong, that's absolutely heart of the Gospel there. But another way that He saved us was through His life. His righteousness. He has to do righteousness. He has to be perfectly righteous in order to be able to have that death to satisfy God the Father. And going back to that one thing that I said, that Everything, almost everything that he did, were said to do with him. So let's look at some scriptures. Go to Galatians two twenty. So talking about Christ, talking how we relate to Christ. That's pretty simple, right? I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Christ who lives in me. What what did we do with Christ there? We were crucified with Him. Now, I can't explain that in the physical element, but somehow spiritually, somehow we died with Christ. Of course, Romans 6 talks about uh, that too, being uh, dying with Him and then buried with Him and then arising with Him. And of course, it's... That's what we're going to look at here. Go to 2 Timothy 2.11. 
all the good works that he did. So right there, that was what? I am crucified with Christ. That was the crucifixion. We were there with him somehow at the cross. 2 Timothy 2.11 Yeah, but they're not door. 2.11 The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Okay. There we die with him, and we live with him. We died, Somehow we died with him. When he's on the cross, we died with him. And another one a lot like that is in Colossians 3.3. 3. This is how much we relate to Him. We were with Him when these huge events happened. Somehow. Here it is again. It's just emphasizing what we just said. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Well, we're living right now, aren't we? Yeah, but spiritually, I mean, in the sense of what we were, we, we died. Right. So there again, it's talking about we, we died with him. We were crucified with him. Um, go to Romans six four now. This is the one I was uh, thinking of there just a few moments ago. This is how we relate to him. Therefore, we have been. What? Buried. Buried. With Him. How is that? Well, He's not talking about baptism water here, although that's significant. But He says, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. We were, okay, we were crucified or we died with Him, but not only that, we were buried with Him. And that's why baptism is really so important because it shows a picture. We... We die, we go into the water, we're buried, right? And then we come up anew. And Romans 6 here sometimes is used as an illustration of that, but actually this is the spiritual thing that happens to us. So it says in verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So there's our life. So He died, came back to life. We died to our old man, and we came to life because of Christ. So, what He did, we did with Him. Colossians 2.12 is saying the same thing. Pretty deep stuff here, how we relate to Christ, isn't it? I mean, usually you think of uh, communion, it's talking, you're, you're talking with somebody, but think about some of the things that He did was that was the most eventful things that were ever done in the world ever. This is Christianity right at the heart and we were somehow with Him at that time and we weren't even born yet. Colossians 2.12. Somebody have that one. Having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Uh Uh-huh. So again, saying the same thing as Romans, right? We were what? Buried. Buried with Him in baptism. Again, that's a dry baptism. It's not a water baptism. Even though the water baptism pictures that, and it does show it. That's why it's such a great illustration. But here's when we were baptized into Christ, we were buried with Him. 
like Romans said, and then raised up with Him, which would be, uh, I guess, your your next element. Colossians 2.13 When you were dead in your transgressions, see, we were dead, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him. So there, He made us alive. We died, and then He brings us to life. We died to the old man, we're dead. We're dead in our sins. And He makes you alive together with Him. Now all of these have those two words there, right? With Him. We were with Him. The obedience of Christ's life. We were with Him as He did these things that were obedient. This is hard because you don't have a point of reference that you can... You don't know when you became a believer. I mean, there was a process that went for all that. So it's really kind of hard to, in your mind, to grab hold of that. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, they're saying, with it, like we were baptized, it's like, first thing that comes to me is the water idea. But it's not. There was more that went on at that time. But it's a hard point in your mind to put because I don't know when that all happened. Yeah, we were placed into Christ. And of course, see, Christ, God is what? He's not bound by time. Right? Right? We are. We look back and somehow we... How about an Adam? We were all an Adam first. And so how was I in Adam? I hadn't even been born yet. but (laughs) Right? But yet we were. We were in Adam. We were in Adam's sin. uh, That flesh that represented all of mankind. And of course the second Adam, Christ, that's related to in 1 Corinthians 15. Well, the first one I can relate to. Totally. I get the sin part. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that one all the time. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like whenever that crucifixion happened, as He died for us, we we died there, although 2,000 years later, we, we are brought to Christ. But it happened somehow, as far as God is concerned. Well, it's just like we the weren't there. Thing. This is like the election thing. We were, we were elected before right. the beginning of the world. Right. right. So... I mean, we weren't really there, but we were there. Right. Somehow. (laughs) In God's eyes. I knew the plan of God was that's when He did that. But it wasn't just a plan. We were there. Yeah. yeah. But then it's like... He knew us before the beginning of time. So it's hard to... And if you start with that, though, that helps a lot. Because if you can identify, okay, somehow He chose me, but I was elected before the foundation of the world. Now, that didn't mean I had said yes to Christ. I didn't, you know, say I, I desire to follow him. I repent. I, I put my faith in him. At one point in time, that happens. But as far as God is concerned, well, the Romans Romans eight says it all. We were, you know, uh, we were justified, and those who were justified were glorified. We've already been glorified in God's eyes too, which it hasn't happened, right. has it? Exactly. But to God, it has. Right. And He's well, not bound by time. I mean, that's a that's really a powerful idea that we were we were before the world was formed. We were. Somehow we were there. In God's heart and his mind, however that worked. And, he knew me. And there's and yet there's still a, still a space and time and mm-hmm. physical we we're there. And of course we're not like the uh, what the Mormons would teach. Now the Mormons teach in a pre existent form that we were and, and uh, they evolve into you know you just 
And, we, and I know you're not talking about it. But it I'm does get hard. It does oh, it's get, difficult. It gets really blurred. This is you, deep stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't want to lose anybody, but I do want to say it is important as you look at the Scripture, we were with Him in the crucifixion. It, says we, it said that. Mm-hmm. We were with Him in His death, His burial, and now we're looking at new life. Well, yeah. If, if we weren't, He wouldn't have had to do it. It would have been unnecessary. Right. So we had to be there. However, how does it work, right? <laughs> this is this You're is trying rather to talk deep. about things we can't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to tell you, I'm trying to hang our hat on it, and I haven't found a hook yet. So you well, I'll tell you what. As I was here. going through this, I said, "Boy, I need to really grasp this better." Yeah, yeah. I said, "Yeah, that's what I've been trying to grasp it for all of my Christian life." And I remember, yeah, I remember years ago you said something about if you if you dwell on this this too long, you're going to be pulling squirrels out from under your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the Greek out, yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of. Losing your mind. But, you know, like since we're talking about relationship with Christ and realizing that we were in His, you know, His love for us long before ever created is an incredible thought. There you know, no He knew us. Him. He not only knew us, He knew us intimately. And He loved and, us anyway. Yeah. And so this does mean communion like with him, even though we physically were not there. And there's a time when you know we, we are with him, but he's with us now too, spiritually, but of course we don't see him. Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, because why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Well, that's good communion well, like there, isn't one. it? Yeah. Because that explains what you're supposed to do with all of the stuff that's going on. Okay, we've been raised you, up with Christ. You've got to pull yourself out of all the situations of the daily you know, things. Yeah. And you've got to remember your position. So are we seeing the death, the burial, the resurrection, new life? Okay, if you've been raised up, if you're a Christian, you've been born again, you've been raised up, Christ raised up from the dead, keep seeking heavenly things. Don't get your mind so set on earthly things. As He says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you've died. You died to that old way of life. And your life is hidden with Christ and God. It's hidden. Nobody can see it. We can't see it. We know we're in that kingdom, but yet we can't see it. And then he says, when Christ, who is our life, there's ultimate communion, isn't it? He is our life, is revealed. That means when He comes back. So He takes it all the way from the time we were sinners to the time that we became believers and raised up to the time that He will come back. Then you also are revealed with Him in glory. Okay, so that's quite a story, isn't it? In order to set your mind on those heavenly things, you have to continually be in Scripture. The songs that we do, they go in my head all the time because if that doesn't happen, I'm right, I've been inundated. I have been raised in this 
world. I, this natural, is what I do. It's a natural response. That exactly. This is what I do. I worry about the bills. I worry about the road. I worry about the car. I worry about my kids. About this is all world about, stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is even even not worrying, just having a little fun or watching a little TV show. or That's all this world. And if this isn't the most important and the prevalent right. thing in my life and the songs that, you know, because I can do the songs and I don't have to sit down and read. <laughs> so the songs are really powerful for me. Otherwise, that's not going to happen. And, I, and there are a whole big hunks of the day that that doesn't happen. That's something. Yeah. yeah. And then when you're living with, living on, you're not living on the Word of God. You're well, no, the because there's stuff. you got to do stuff. you got to go to work. you gotta, you got to stuff to right. do. It's part of life. That we, we will go to the grocery store. We'd love to escape that, you know, but that's part of it. It's really great. Set your mind on how many go. That's great. But hey, that's hard. Really hard. Would you say don't be consumed? Don't be consumed by those things, even though those things are designed to. Matter of fact, that's part of the 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 kind of way of living that God has given us. But then we don't let that overtake us, or whether it's something really good to be so consumed by it, or just the daily ongoing things that we have to do. Uh, don't let that worry you, right? Don't get in, uh, anxious. And, you, and you're right, Romans 12.1 always gets our mind focused back. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Here we go. And do not be conformed to this world, since you already died to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew it, the Word so that you may prove what the will of God is right now, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Yeah, it's how to live it, isn't it? It's so hard. It's a so Christian hard. life is not, uh, not all easy, is it? helps a few little things for me, like the songs, number one, and, and when I really get wallowing and stuff, God's got this. <laughs> that pulls me out a lot. Remember the that sounds, it's hard. sounds right. God's got this, yeah. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together, what? With Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised up with Him. And look at this. And seated us. We already sit there. With him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, he's already seated us there. And you can say, "I don't see that," but in a, in a way, we are with him. We're, we live in the heavenlies, but yet at the same time, he lives in us. How do you how do you put this in a language that, that we can understand? I take that though, so we have we have the availability to go in and out of the time. What's that? Because we had to sit, we had to, to sit with him. Caroline reminded me of my, my 
Mephibosheth and David. Was it Mephibosheth? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's Jonathan's son. Yeah, the crippled one that could that David welcomed into his home, uh, cared for, and basically seated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, basically he uh, made, it, made it possible for man who was you know, not in a really good physical condition, whatever, uh, but David's love for Jonathan, you know, yep. transferred to his care for And just his being <laughs> there and being in communion with <laughs> David, you know, David's the king. Christ is our king. Is mm-hmm. like us, you know, we're, we're the ones who are brought in mm-hmm. not, to, yeah. to be with the Lord. That's what that Leland song is. Yeah. yeah. Which which Leland song is? Carry to the table. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and, and that's thing. just one yeah. example, but there's so much of like the Old Testament stories. I think could be you know could help us to understand these things more of an earthly, you know, mm-hmm. plain way, because it is hard to just take the words that are being said here and some things like, you know, you're, you're seated in the heavenlies, you've been, you died for Christ, you've been buried, you've been raised, what? You, you, went, to the cro- you went to the cross <laughs> and, uh, with him, and yeah. it's like, hmm. It's like, it's just a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you're mind. Yeah. yeah, you can't really hang your mind on with that. Could possibly understand it. But listening to um, good teachers, preachers, uh, expositions, and these kind of things too, and then you know, getting a mixture of that, and then devotional time, like if you can find good devotionals on these subject matters, I think are helpful. You know, because these learned people that <laughs> really studied the word hard and the history and all that stuff, they they help. You know, they can be helpful. Absolutely. I find that very helpful to to investigate other ways of you know getting getting the meat <laughs> taking the meat in. So. Like putting it in a a language, you know, that oh I never thought of it that way, you know. Yeah. Whether it be illustrations or just being able to use maybe words and pictures that can help us because, yeah, this is way out stuff, but it's so important. I mean, this is our life. Well, and sometimes this, this I don't is. even pretend to understand it, but look, look at that. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I don't even understand it, but... Whatever that means, it's really wow. good, isn't it? <laughs> and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> Can you write a song? Like, this could be really good. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> I like that. Hey, that's an idea. Sometimes <laughs> I just dwell on those little passages like that, and I just it just it just blows me away. Of the most funnest place. I don't get it, but I love it. It's, it's like think of the trying to think of the most funnest funnest place you could think to go, and you get to hang yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 the he's the mediator, right? Mm-hmm. 
You have the Father, and the, the Son is the mediator. He's the go-between between the Father and us. And what a, a, an assuring foundation that, that He is. And He performs these works and the fruit that comes out of it, and then to have put us into the place with Him at these biggest events that could ever be the heart of the Gospel and the the cross and the resurrection and to think about it, to have done the same things with them yet we weren't born. Hmm. Anyway, that's that's kind of the thought of um, what we're dealing with tonight. What's number one now? Well, all of those are the the works of Christ there. It's it's actual obedience. Um, it's, It's a active obedience and that that uh, how that's defined Owen defined it as doing the whole will of God and his complete actual fulfilling in the whole of every law of God we don't do that no man has ever even come close to doing that but Christ did every law every element that was involved in that look in uh, Matthew 3:15. This is where John the Baptist is baptizing him. But Jesus answering said to him, you know, John the Baptist says, How can I baptize you? Jesus answered, said, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he permitted him. John the Baptist said, Okay. It's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. This is what God had already had in mind. This is something that He was to do. It was obedience. So He's being baptized. Jesus is. There's a John 6.38. This is, this is called actual obedience. So the baptism of Jesus was an obedient act, wasn't it? And it was active. John 6.38 For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And we know that He did His will perfectly without any flaw at all. Of course, I have a lot of Scripture dealing with those, but that gives you the idea. That's that's what He did. Um, uh, oh, we got to do the Philippians 2.8. That's a famous one. Actual obedience. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that's we're not dealing with that one tonight, the death, even though that's very important. <laughs> but we're dealing with his life. But it says all the way up to that point. He was he was obedient. Is obedient in in doing that. So, and there's two kind of righteousness. Now we said to, to fulfill all righteousness. Um, there's one that is Owen terms it as habitual righteousness. That's it's dealing with his nature, the nature of his righteousness. It, it's absolutely perfect, absolute, total conformity with the his soul to the very will of God 
absolute, complete, exact conformity to the very mind of God, the will of God, the law of God. He's totally conformed to God the Father, isn't He? In everything. And that's His nature though. He's perfect in His nature. Inherent righteousness. Inherent. That's Him. That's already Him. That's His righteousness. But there's also an actual obedience of Christ. That's That, that other one is called habitual righteousness. But this is the actual obedience, and that's His performance. And on your outlines, I have performance underlined. On the other one, I had conformity. That He conforms. That, that's who He is. That's what He's about. This is His action, His performance. Everything commanded by God. Um, what He did, he, he fulfilled everything. Whatever kind of duty that God the Father had Him to do, He did. He did it all. Sometimes he would take this cup from me, but your will. Galatians 4 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God already had this plan and everything, but it finally came to a point where Jesus was to come to earth and do these things. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law so that He might redeem those who were under the law. To buy, redeem means to buy out so that He could buy us of our failing of the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So that's why He came here. Uh, What it do uh, here, it said that He's able to redeem those under the law. He's put under the law He's able to redeem them because he he was able to purchase with that grace, I guess you could say. Um, he had a perfect life. He did. He fulfilled it. Kind of an amazing duty. So he you know he did the ceremonials, uh, the rituals, the festivals, the circumcision, a lot of the. Um, Judaism that was all involved. He he did all that. And he paid tribute to governors. And so you go on and on and and he fulfilled all righteousness. Came to do what that will was. And it uh, it wasn't that he just did it merely just to do it. But it's all based, and we can't even imitate what he did. But yet, that righteousness is going to go a long way in saving us. That verse here in John ten eighteen. I can't remember how that went. Oh, is that what it is there? No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. There are things that He did that we can do. But there are things that He did that we cannot do. Just like the nature of God, the nature of Christ, there are some of those attributes that He has that we can also we have. right? Like attribute of God is love. We can certainly... Love. An attribute of God, uh, you can take some of these characteristics like mercy, right? And we can practice mercy, grace. Uh, then there are attributes that go way beyond us. But uh, 
anyway, that's the authority that he has that no one else has as a mediator. So there's a peculiar command of the Father that he should lay down his life. Nobody else could lay down their life for anybody. And it was subject to the very law of God in every nth degree. So that's the obedience of Christ. Then there is the influence of the obedience of Christ's life into our grace that we have, justification. He was a mediator. He was holy. How holy? Perfectly holy. A mediator has to be perfectly holy as far as God the Father is concerned. He he must be fit to do what all He had to do for us. Fit to do that all He had to do for us. Such a one became like us. Look in Hebrews 7.26. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. It was fitting for us to have a high priest. It was fitting for Him to be the only one that could do it. He's the only, uh, this, this mediator is the only one that can fulfill these righteous requirements. Um, he was able to do it. Absolutely holy, perfect. We could not have done that, but He did it. A perfect sacrifice. He could not have been a complete and perfect sacrifice had He not been holy. He couldn't have answered all the types and figures of Christ, whether it be the temple, which is a type of Christ. Uh, the festivals were types of Christ, illustrations. He couldn't have been complete without blemish, without being that, uh, that very one, that, that, holy, that holy one, perfect holiness. Now, what happens is that he he takes, of course, what he applies everything at the cross, but also because of that righteousness, there is a sense that he imputes his righteousness to us. What does he do? He takes away our sin. He takes the righteousness of Christ, which has been solved by Christ, and it pleased the Father, and takes the righteousness and places it into where our sin was. In that His righteousness is that that's no longer is our nature sinful. It is now a nature that is righteous. Even though we live in this life. Paul <laughs> saying, would you say um, now we have the ability not to sin? Is that where... Yeah, we, of course, we, we as, as, as Christians, we, we now have the ability to not sin. But we also have the ability to sin. Whereas before we came to Christ, we had no ability Sometimes it's to... good to sit on that one for a while because it's been a long, long time to sit there and say, okay, before, all we had was the ability to sin. Right. I mean that's it. We had nothing that we would we did before we were believers to pacify God. Because that was our nature. Right. But now because of Christ we have the ability now 
to refuse sand. Even though some people might have been really nice people, it didn't count for them. It was, it was no good to Christ didn't need that. See, I really struggled with that because I knew some really nice people. <laughs> you know, it's hard to imagine that those really nice people, if they don't come to know the Lord, all that really nice people is not. Because they're not really nice people. Well, even as Christians, we're not really nice people. But, but those that are, but those that I mean, do I'm it, not. I don't they, know what the rest they, of you they do it for another purpose. It's not to glorify God. And now we finally, for the first time, we have the ability to do something that is right and good that glorifies God. Before it was for other purposes. Romans seven, you said. Yeah. False. The war of the Christian. Oh, right, right. The battle. The battle. So now we have we have that. Whereas before we didn't have that. Battle. We didn't have that that kind of battle. Life was easy. Yeah, it was a lot easier then. Because all you had to please was yourself. The moron he portal. But you could never give each that happy. It was never, it was never there. But you had the father of lies. You keep... run around and yeah. buy stuff and get stuff and do stuff. That happy thing, that that peace was never there. Because you had the father of lies keep saying, "No, you need this though. You need this." And you did. And you thought you did. Because <laughs> that was going to do it. None of it worked. And if you're not careful, then they commit suicide when they find out all those failures. Romans 5.18 So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men through the transgression of Adam, right? Through his one sin everybody was condemned with him. Even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. All men there being people of, of God who He has justified. So there was one sin and then there is the... You have the act of righteousness. You know, of course, this is... Uh, it's not a, a general event there. It's not a single event. It, it's talking about there the... Uh, the life of Christ, um, but it culminated ultimately on that death on the cross, which is where everything always ultimately leads to. But that was a perfect, complete obedience of Christ to the law, and that was important. It had to be that way. That's why He had to come and live here as long as He did, and to do that. You would think, well, why, if God wants believers, why didn't He just soon zap up. You're a believer. I don't have to send my son down there. That's an offensive kind of religion. That's why people don't like Christianity because a bloody cross, a bloody Savior, death, it doesn't make sense. But yet it makes to the fullest sense because God is a holy God. He demands absolute perfection. 
and none of us make it. So there has to be a substitute. And this is why this is all important here. He he qualified to be the one who would die on the cross, and that's where that next one comes right. up there. You know, if he if it hadn't all worked out that way, if all if he had all just zapped us, it's, you know, here you are, you're good now. We never appreciate any of it. We wouldn't get it at all. We would, there would be no per, no reason to look at this because we don't need it. God right. zapped me, and I'm good. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So now we sit here and we wonder, why do you want me to you sure? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know good. what you're dealing with here? <laughs> that Romans 5.19, For as through the one man's disobedience, who's that? Adam, the many, who's that? Believers, were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, Jesus. the one being Jesus the many will be made righteous. So there we go. This this righteousness of Christ is incredible. Somehow we were included in on these this these works, this this act. And Philippians three nine, one one more there. Paul realized that everything that he had, all the learning that he had, it was absolutely rubbish, he said. In verse 9, and may be found in him. Boy, that's communion, isn't it? Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, being good, doing good things, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's there what again. you talked about while ago, that experience. Mm-hmm. That's His fellowship of His that he would even go through the sufferings, and that's what we'll be dealing with. Uh, and the sufferings are part of his life. There were sufferings in his life that was separated from his death. And, and you think of the, these sufferings. Of course, they kind of blend together, but we look at, at this uh, actual righteousness. You know, it's active obedience. And then there's passive obedience. And that's where we've arrived at. You know, God says, do this and live. We can't. Nobody can. We're all in trouble. But to Jesus, He says, do this. He did it, and He did it for us. If you enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus says, Matthew nineteen seventeen. Keep the commandments. Nobody can. So, the obedience of Christ cannot be reckoned amongst just his sufferings, but it's it's there's a distinctness there between his sufferings and his there's doing what that is one thing that that's what he did, and then the suffering is another thing. Suffering and then there's the dying. Uh, they are diverse. They come together, but we need to see him in his righteousness because 
of that. That's why he was qualified to do what he did. At the same time, we get his righteousness applied to us. And that's how the Father sees us. Thank you guys for going through and enduring a very deep subject, but I think one that is, I think, good enough to be, as Bob says, to be meditating upon this and, and read more on it. Look at, look it up. You know, the actual obedience of Christ. Uh, there aren't too many books written on it, uh, I don't think. Because we hear about the death of Christ, but the life of Christ, unless you're going through the Gospels at the time, you kinda, we, we tend to forget about that. Because we've always heard about Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He certainly did. I mean, that, he had to. But He had to fulfill righteousness to be able to even do that. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening. Thank You for such deep truths and truths that we seem like we are just peering over the edge and cannot see the depth. But we know that it's true. What You've done is amazingly significant to our lives. And as we think on these things, may we have really good communion with You to live with You and to understand You more, and to understand Your life, Your sufferings, Your death, Your resurrection. In Jesus' name, Amen.